0: Good morning, Five Stones Church. Thank you for joining us. As we continue into our summer series, we're going to take a look um, at at just where we're at. So we're going through the summer series, Songs of Solomon. Uh, This is our testimonial series for the summer, and uh, we've had such a, a great response from just Uh, All the testimonies that's gone out there that we actually have one more week after this. We were going to end this week, but we actually have so many people that want to share that we actually have one more week after this. And so um, next week will be the last week in this series, Uh, but today uh, we have an epic couple that's going to be sharing, um, not in person, on video, even though they're sitting here in person. (laughs) Uh, And that's going to be Andrew and Maria. Chang they're going to be sharing their story um, and so their whole cell group is here, and they 're all kind of booing them now because they're not sharing in person, even though they are physically here, and the video actually does explain why they're not sharing in person, and so we'll we'll play that in a bit here as we get back into as we really tie up uh, this series over the next two sermons here. Um, today I just want to bring a, a quick encouragement. Songs of Solomon, for me, is really summed up in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, it lays this out very well for us, and it gives us the example of how marriage is like. In chapter 5, verse 25 of Ephesians, it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And in verse 28, it says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. And then 31 says, Therefore, now he's quoting, quoting Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become flesh. These verses for me really sum up what Songs of Solomon really highlights and, and, and speaks about of a husband and wife relationship and how they are to relate to each other. And the Songs of Solomon speaks of the intimacy of a couple in marriage. And in marriage there is Both a personal between husband and wife, but there is also the corporate of being part of a bigger body, which is the church and society. If you want to know what marriage should look like, it should be Christ and his relationship to the church. Yet at the same time, Song of Solomon highlights just the intimacy within marriage. It's tender. It's things that are shared between two couples. And these things are cultivated over time and in spending with each other. And so today we get to hear a love story between Andrew and Maria and how their story has been cultivated over time. So let's, let's look at this clip.
1: Hi, Five Stones Church. Um, for those of you who don't know us, uh,
2: I'm Maria. Andrew. When Pastor Rich emailed Maria and I a few months ago to share our love story during the Song of Songs. We both felt honored, but more than that, we were petrified of speaking in public. As rude as it seemed, I literally ignored his email and did not respond. He knows how uncomfortable I was because he nudged me with a follow-up email a few weeks later. Again, I ignored his email. Sorry, Pastor Rich. Long story short, After that, every Sunday message from Pastor Rich felt like he was speaking to me directly. To be brave and obedient and share our story. I literally felt like I was being Jonah and I shared that with Pastor Rich. Like being summoned to be obedient, but I kept going in the opposite direction. God always has his way. And here we are sharing our story. Hoping somehow it will bless and encourage others, young and old. I've never been much of a storyteller, but my soulmate is, so I'm gonna pass this at this point to Maria. Um,
1: Okay, so just to give you a little bit of a background, um, many of you already know that um, Andrew and I are Chinese and we were born in Pakistan. Um, My dad was only 10 months old when my grandfather um, left China for Pakistan, and so I guess we are second uh, generation Pakistanis. Um, growing up in Pakistan was um, was good. Um, it was a Muslim country so it was um, it was different. there was lots of restrictions uh, especially for girls. Um, it was a different era, different country, um, different customs. So um, if a girl and a boy were seen alone together, there would be like... A, Rumors started that, oh, they're getting married, or they're going to get engaged, or something like that. So growing up in uh, Pakistan, there were about maybe 50 or so Chinese families uh, in Karachi, the city that I was born. Um, Everybody knew everybody over there, so it was a small community. Andrew's family was from East Pakistan, and um, they moved to Karachi when he was about maybe 10 years old. And uh, being new in the, uh, in the city, on one of his mom's visit to um, our place, she saw me playing with my sisters or something like that. She liked me, she found me cute, and she said that um, she wanted me as her daughter-in-law for the youngest son. After that, it was like, um, brutal for both of us because kids can be cruel. They started teasing us, Andrew and Maria, Andrew and Maria, stuff like that. And so we were both so shy, and um, we would not look at each other. We would avoid each other. So that was pretty much it when we were kids. Um, We hardly spoke to each other because we were so shy. The teasing wouldn't stop, so that's how it was. I was shy
2: back then. I'm still shy.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I guess um, our first date. If you can say that was a day. Um, I was maybe in grade 7. I was, I guess, 12 years old. Um, Andrew's brother had asked him and his friends whether they wanted to go with them to the club dancing to celebrate Chinese New Year. I know it was restrictive, but I don't know. At 12 years old, we were still allowed in the club. But anyways, um, he came with uh, one of our friends, Jane, and, um, yeah, he was still very shy. Uh, Jane, our friend, was his mouthpiece. He kept quiet the whole time. My mother <laughs> my mother wanted to have some fun with him and so uh, told, uh, told him to ask for permission. But he did not say a word. His, uh, his gaze was down. He just wouldn't open up his mouth. And so anyways my mom had her piece of fun and then gave me permission to go with him so i guess that was our first date sort of okay fast forward to when i'm 15 years old um andrew i guess is a year older than me so 16. things have changed a little bit uh andrew's mom from wanting to make me her daughter-in-law now made a public declaration she said that uh, none of her son is going to marry a Hupe girl from Pakistan. So from her wanting me to be her daughter-in-law, now I was like, a, no, I cannot, I, I cannot be one of uh, her daughter-in-laws. That was the big change that happened within the five years. So anyways, I am in, I think, grade 10. Um, I'm going home after school uh, one day. We lived on the fifth floor. And as I'm climbing the stairs, I think I was on the second floor or so. To my surprise, I see Andrew waiting for me. He was there with a friend. I guess he had the friend for moral support or something. My birthday had just passed and he had a birthday gift for me. It was a silver chain that actually I'm wearing right now. It has my name engraved on it. It's custom made, so it had to be ordered. And it's- uh, Cost
2: me a fortune back (laughs) then.
1: Yeah, it's silver, so it did cost him a fortune. He gave it to me and asked me not to tell anyone. He was afraid that his um, that it would make it to his mother's ears, so he asked me if I could keep it a secret. I wasn't very comfortable with that because uh, if I had to keep it a secret, that mean I had to keep it a secret from my mom. Like I said, um, growing up in Pakistan, there were a lot of restrictions for girls, and so it would not be a good thing for me to accept a gift from a boy. Actually, it was quite comical now that I think about it. Here he is, he wants to give me a birthday gift, but was scared of his mom. And here I am. I really wanted this gift from this boy that I really liked, but I could, I was scared because of my mom. I guess it was comical, but in a cute way. I did accept it and yeah, I have it. I still have it. Okay, so when did we start dating? I think maybe a year later, we, we, we were baptized as Catholic. We were Catholics um, growing up, and we attended the same church. Uh, one of the summer events the church organized was a table tennis tournament. My oldest brother was a reigning champion, a reigning table tennis champion of the parish. And um, the day of the registration for the event, my sister and our friends were there. Um, I don't really know why because um, we weren't going to register to enter into the tournament but for some reason we were there. And when we went there, Andrew was there with his friends as well. And then I saw Andrew walking towards me and... my um, heart was fluttering. Yeah. He came to me and asked me whether I would like to be his um, cable tennis partner. I told him that I don't play table tennis, um, he said, don't worry, I'll teach you. And so at that time, I was... an excuse. <laughs> so at that time, I was attending French classes at the Alliance Francaise, and they had a tab- table tennis table over there, so that's where we, were, we had decided that he was going to teach me how to play. So the walk to the Allianz was about 30 minutes. And so that's where our friendship grew. And that's how, I guess, our dating grew, too. So it was twice a week, half an hour, walking to and fro. And uh, I guess that's how we started dating,
2: right? It was the beginning of our dating, actually. Yes. That's when we got to know each other. During those walks and during those polyons uh, time.
1: So I guess we were dating... Um, my... my Family was okay with us dating, so it was no secret he would visit um, our place. But we didn't really go out because we didn't want to be seen by people, uh, or his mom would get to know about it. So I just remember this one funny incident um, that I wanted to share. On one of uh, his visit to our place, um, my grandmother used to live with us at that time, and my grandmother, um, my grandma, would go and play mahjong. Every day, and then um, we sort of knew the, you know, what time she would come back home. But for some reason, that day she came back home earlier than her usual time, and so Andrew was still in the house, and she walks in, but she didn't see Andrew. But so now he panicked because he didn't want my grandma to see him because my grandma would go and tell other people about it, and so. My younger sister and my younger brother um, was trying to help us get him out of the house. How will we get him out of the house without my grandmother noticing it? So we had a big terrace in our house, and we and if you remember, we lived on the fifth floor. So he's now stuck in the terrace on the fifth floor. And he has oh, to get he has to get out of the house. So my younger sister starts uh, keeping my grandmother busy. The only way for him to get out of the terrace was that he had to climb the wall to get to the other side. And so that's what he did. He climbed the wall. My younger brother was keeping, uh, keeping guard on the other side. And so he climbed the wall and then came out the other way. And then Our dating, I think, lasted seven years before we got married. It was a long-distance relationship in between two because he left Karachi uh, for Lahore. That's where he was attending um, engineering university over there. So um, it was long-distance relationship for four years there.
2: Uh, long-distance relationships in those days were quite challenging. Uh, don't forget, we did not have the luxury of uh, FaceTiming, video chat. None of that was available. So we resorted to actually writing very long letters, uh, even recording our voices on audio tapes, cassettes, if people who know what they are. Uh, and then we get mailed to each other. And mailing in those days took what seven to fourteen days before we received anything. So it had its challenges. During a long distance relationship when I was in uh, when I was still a student, uh, that's when our I guess our immigration came through for my parents, where I came along as a minor. So so we had to leave for, for Canada. I hadn't completed my education, so we had to leave for Canada because that's when we did. My mom had to make sure that I got engaged to make sure that I would marry a Chinese girl uh, instead of somebody out of our culture. Okay,
1: so uh, the proposal. It was very unromantic proposal. I think our love story was very cute. We started at a very young age. There was a lot of uh, push and pull. There was anxiety. There was uh, secrecy. There was all that, all that excitement. But when it came to the proposal, it was, I guess, it fell flat a little
2: bit. Um, I, 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 I never really formally proposed. Yeah, that's why I say it wasn't romantic. As in getting down in, on my knees the ring and all of that? So Andrew was still in uh, Lahore in university.
1: One day I come home from work and I was told that Andrew's mother had sent um, had sent two matchmakers to my place, to my mom, asking my hand in marriage. Um, so that was pretty much my proposal. Uh, the matchmakers came to my house, asked my mother For my hand in marriage and Andrew was in Lahore so I called him I said did you know about it and he said yeah I knew about it and and so um, my mother-in-law was the one who bought my engagement ring and uh, Andrew flew um, in from Lahore to Karachi and we got engaged so that was pretty much um, the proposal I guess um, the reason why she sent the matchmaker was that as much as she had declared that uh, none of her sons was going to marry a Hui girl from Pakistan, um, I think she real she's she still liked me. She did, and so I guess she decided that uh, it's better to get us engaged before he leaves for Canada. Okay, so he leaves for Canada, but he um, he does come back to Karachi because he still he still had uh, one year left. Um, before he graduated from um, from University of Engineering. So he did come back uh, to Pakistan to finish his education. And then he had to leave back for Canada. The family was living in Montreal at that time. And so when he was coming back to Montreal the same year, I visited again Canada as a tourist. Uh, it was in August. And so we decided that we didn't want to uh, wait for the official for him to sponsor me officially. It would take some time, and so we said, "You know what? I'm going to come in as a tourist and get married, and then he can put in my papers." So we had to sort of get married uh, quite fast, otherwise uh, I would
2: outstay my tourist visa. We were in love, and um, we just went ahead and got married uh in the most unromantic version i guess of a fairy tale wedding we had two witnesses two friends as a witness and was at city hall and we got married fyi next month september will be 35 years of marriage that doesn't take into account our courtship years so we've actually known each other for a long, um, long time. For people who are doing their math, uh, we've been together for almost fifty years, so we're literally soulmates. So we've been together a very long time. We know each other so well that it's a little scary at times.
1: Okay, so I think one of the question was, um, what attracted us to each to each other? Us to each other. I always keep teasing him that it was his looks that attracted me to him. I keep on saying. He's so cute back then. But actually, what attracted me to him was his smile. He has this cutest smile. I don't know the way his mouth curves uh, in a certain way. It's so cute. So even though we started dating at such a young age, he was um, he was a gentleman even back then. He would always um, open the door for me, mm-hmm. pull pull the chair out for me, And even when we went, so we had to date in secret, so we usually go, went out for a walk in the nighttime, so nobody would see us. And in the winter time, he would like uh, rub my hands to keep me warm. So he was very, very
2: caring, very loving. I guess what attracted me to her was, uh, I've always found her cute, but back then I didn't know she was going to be my soulmate, of course. Uh, I thought
1: it was love at first sight (laughs) Andrew
2: I wish I could have said that but somewhere along the way I fell in love I guess I didn't know back then it was puppy love I found her cute there's a certain look that she gave me it's hard to describe it made me feel as if I was the only one in the room that existed so it was like and I still remember that look that she gave me and she still makes me feel a million bucks because that's <laughs> okay. That that's so cheesy. <laughs> I don't know. I ran out of words.
1: I think one of the one of the questions also was that what were the challenges? Um as mentioned, Andrew's mom was one of the challenges. We had to meet secretly. Uh, the long distance relationship was a challenge. Um but there was Another challenge, one of the biggest challenge that we had was um, during our long distance relationship. I think maybe uh, I was in college at that time. So one of my friends in college witnessed to me about Jesus, and um, I accepted Jesus. How old were you then? I was maybe about 19 years old. And so when Andrew came back from um, came back to Karachi. I was so excited. I was, like, so excited and and telling him about Jesus. And and, and my hope was that he would also accept Jesus as his Savior. But he was having difficulty. And he wouldn't, um, you know, he was happy for me, but he couldn't share my faith. My girlfriends knew about it. My girlfriends, uh, who we have a cell group with, and so we all prayed about it because we knew that in the Bible it clearly says that we cannot be unequally yoked. And so a lot of prayers were said. But he wouldn't budge. So then I had to make a decision between my love for Jesus and my love for him. And needless to say that I decided to marry him to <laughs> That was, I think, one of the biggest challenges because when I decided to marry him, I felt that I wasn't good enough for Jesus anymore. And I backslided. Sorry, I didn't think I was going to be emotional, but even though after I got married, I backslided. I always knew in my heart that Jesus was my savior. And when my first daughter was born, When Alicia was born, I wanted to make sure that um, she was raised knowing Jesus. She was raised in a Christian environment. And so I decided to uh, go back to church. I think, looking back, it was my foolishness that made me think that I did not deserve Jesus. Because even today, I don't deserve him. And that's what grace is. We don't deserve God but God loves us so much. And he was there with open arms to receive me back. And not only that, he received me back and then he answered, answered my prayers and Andrew um, also accepted Christ as his savior, um, 11 or 12 years later, after we got married when we moved from Montreal to Vancouver. God is so good. He has blessed us so immensely. Uh, We couldn't be more grateful for what He has done and blessed us with.
2: To add to that, I mean, I can't imagine if my other half had not prayed for me all this time. And uh, I I mean, don't get me wrong, I was raised in a Catholic home. I knew all the sacraments, I knew all that I was supposed to do, but I had no clue about grace, I had no clue about salvation, until Maria shared all of that with me, and she kept praying incessantly for many years. Um, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It's not something you can wrap your head around, it just happens as, that's a God moment. She prayed, she kept praying and eventually I relented and I accepted Jesus as my savior. I know for a fact that uh, I've received salvation, I've received grace, a grace that I don't deserve, but I know he's there for me. And for that, we are so grateful for what we have as a family, as, as a couple. Indeed, we are blessed. We are blessed as a couple. So, I mean, don't get us wrong. It's not like things didn't happen in our relationship. There's always, uh, but for the most part, our life has been great. It's been blessed. One of the things that keep coming up is we share a lot of laughter, a lot of laughter. We laugh a lot. Uh, We've cried a few times, but those are very rare. But we do share a lot of laughter in our relationship. We, we don't have to complete a sentence and we laugh. So that's our relationship. Uh, it's yeah. not perfect, but...
1: Things that he says, I think I'm the only one that finds it funny and my kids are like, Mom, don't encourage him. But he's funny. To me, he sounds funny. I have to say we are so blessed. We started dating at a very young age and really we were kids back then. We really grew up and entered adulthood together. Uh, we are actually very different, but very alike at the same time. He is really my soulmate. He's my best friend, and the best dad for my children that I could have ever asked for. I love doing everything with him. Uh, we both love traveling. We both love food, and both of us, um, and for both of us, our family is our priority. We love spending uh, spending time together and with our daughters. God has been good. Life has been good. Somebody asked us, why is ours the last one? Um, my, I think one of my siblings said, is the best one saved for the last? And uh, I think it's because Pastor Rich knows us too well. He knows that we took so long in responding to him, so he will give us the... He will give extra us time. extra time. That'd be
2: required.
1: And we really needed the extra time.
2: Uh, thank you, Pastor Rich. Really, uh, thank you for being so patient and gracious, and not being offended when I was being so rude in uh, ignoring your email. We hope to see all of you soon, back
1: in
0: church. <laughs> I love this story. I love how, as they, as they talked about their, how they met and their, the, the, just all the little things that's happened that has brought them to where they are today. Um, it just shows how love is cultivated over time. How that over time you get to know just the little things about each other and because of those things, it just grows and blossoms. If you know this couple, if you know Andrew and Maria's, the way that I, I know them, they are one of the kindest, most generous couples I know. To a point where they just last week drove from Port Moody to our new place in Richmond just to deliver food for my family and us. Because he knows, because they know that I love beef nahari. And they've had some and they made some. And so they're like, you know what, we're going to drive this food to you because we just love you. And so this is a couple that, for me, has loved me so well, and I loved them so well, and they loved my family so well. And this couple is—I'm so blessed to be able to be able to preach with them. But at the same time, it is one of the best stories for last. It is one of the best stories that—that's there. There's this little detail in their story that is reflected in Songs of Solomon. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to be preaching from Psalms of Solomon chapter 7, but if you have your Bibles with you, in chapter 8, there's this weird part, these weird verses that sometimes people read it and it's like, okay, what does that actually mean? It says this, oh, and it's the it's Shunammite woman speaking to her lover. It says, oh, that I wish that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast. If I found you outside, I would kiss you and none would despise me. That's a weird verse, right? It's like, why would you wish for them to be like your brother? So this is, this is the, the cultural aspect. And so when I read this part and when I heard their testimony, I'm like, there is a similarity here because culturally, in the time that the Shunammite woman was, was writing, culturally, it was, it's not like they were making out with their brothers. That's gross. That's, that's not what this, this verse is talking about. What she's saying is that culturally in that time pda public dif- display of affection was not was not allowed couples could not hold hands they could not kiss in public they couldn't they couldn't be showing affection to each other and so but but in the cultures little brothers and little sisters we're able to do that. So if you see children that are brothers and sisters, they, they hold hands down the street, they kiss each other. They, they're, they're small, they're children, they're, they're able to do that. And for the student that woman, she's like, I wish I could do that in public with you. So there was a little bit of the secrecy that was happening. And when they were sharing the, the, the time when they were dating that they had to have it in secret because they didn't want their mom to see. For me, I'm just like, wow, how cute and relatable this is for Andrew and Maria that's how life imitates the bible or is it intentional is it intentional that the bible even has these little details that our life actually is similar to it's relatable the bible makes it makes it so relatable to us but today that's not the focus of my of my my message here i just want to share something really quick because of time But one of the things I want to pull out isn't something that Andrew and Maria spoke in their testimony, but from what I know of them. As they shared, there are so many things. If you know Andrew and Maria, there are so many things that were all the little things that were brought out. Yes, their engagement kind of fell flat. It wasn't that romantic. If you know Andrew, Andrew is a very romantic guy, okay? He makes most husbands look terrible. Have you ever seen Andrew spread for Valentine's Day for his girls? Oh my goodness. Like he goes all out, five-star restaurant, full seafood, surf, turf, whatever it is. Like he goes all out. Andrew is a very, very romantic person. But even then, there... I guess in their engagement, it fell flat. Not what I expected from Andrew. From what I know of Andrew. That it was his mother that proposed instead of himself. It was the times. That was the times. But it's, it's, it wasn't, it's not the big gestures that they do. It's the little things that they do that cultivate it their relationship. For those that know Andrew and have seen my interaction with him, I actually call Andrew boss. There's a reason that I call Andrew boss, and it's not because of how he holds himself. When you see Andrew, he does look like a mafia boss or like a triad <laughs> boss, and he holds himself in a way where he just demands people's attention, and, and like he's like some secret service, CIA, you know, like some badass. But that's not actually the reason why I call Andrew boss, even though he looks like a boss. The reason I call Andrew boss is because when I see Andrew and in the little gestures and how he treats Maria, like opening the doors for her, it is in those little moments I know that there's something for me to learn as as a husband. That the little gestures that he does for his wife I mean, I observe them together and it's all of those little things that for me, I look at Andrew and I'm like, he's the boss. He's the man. He is the husband that I, I achieved to be. And that's why I call him boss. But it is in this couple, it's, it's, it's within the little things that count. It's not the big gestures but within the little things, it's not just the birthdays and, and the anniversaries that we need to celebrate, but it's the every day that we have together that we need to celebrate. In chapter 7, verse 11, the Shunammite woman goes and he, 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 she expresses her love to, to her, her husband. And she basically says, "Come, my beloved. Let us go out into the fields and into the lodge in the villages." She's she basically saying, "Let's go away. Let's go away for some time, just to spend time by ourselves. Let's go out early into the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grapes have blossomed and opened, and the pomegranates are in bloom. There, I will give you my love." So, the Shunammite woman is like, "Come. Let's 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 go away. Let's get together." Uh, in some translation, let's go off to the countryside. And he's just like, let's get away and spend time together. And then it talks about how, there I will give you my love in the mandrakes. I mean, we're, they're talking about sex here. Um, let's not hide it. The book talks about sex a lot. Um, but it's not really about, I'm not, I'm not endorsing I'm not endorsing public sex, okay? This is what the word is saying, okay? I'm, not, I'm just reading you, to you what the word is saying. I don't want you guys to get in trouble. Don't say John told us to do this. Tell, say John told us to spend intentional time with each other. That's what I'm getting at here. Is that this couple is getting a way to spend time together intentionally in the most intimate way possible. That's what cultivates love. It's that intentional time of getting away together. You don't have to make it a vacation, but make sure that you have those intentional moments with each other that breed the intimacy between a couple. That's what this is talking about. That's what the Songs of Solomon is writing about, is that we need to take time in our busy life to take time away from all the busyness and spend that time together with one another. It is so important as married couples that we actually do this. I know that, that sometimes life gets in the way. I live a very, very busy lifestyle. We, I have work. I'm working on applying for school. I'm, I have a three-year-old. I have a pregnant wife. Life is busy. It is crazy busy. For this couple in the story, one is a king. He's running an entire country. Do you think it's busy for him? He's probably even more busy than all of us combined. But what they're saying is that you need to, even in in and amongst that busyness of life, life sometimes gets in the way, right? Life, all these things are thrown at us. Sometimes it's not even things that we plan and it comes at us. But what it's saying is that in those moments, you still need to make intentional time to spend together as a couple and not spend together as a couple doing errands or buying groceries or or going through your daily plans or talking about the kids. But spend that time together where you're able to connect to each other in the most intimate way. Talk to each other. Express your love to each other. Take those moments, even if it's just a brief moment. It doesn't have to be always these grand gestures, but those moments that I'm thinking of you I love you, I care about you, and in this moment, I'm going to do this for you because I love you. It's those things that count. It's those things that cultivate this love relationship between you and your spouse. It's those things that, that make those, the, the, the lasting memories actually last. Ask your wife or ask your husband What is the thing that they remember in terms of how they received the love that you've given? I bet you most of the time, it's not even going to be the grand gestures. It's not going to be when you spoiled me with all these things for that day. But it's in the every day that you do something for me because I know that you love me. Whether it's my, my wife doesn't like to do the dishes, I'm going to do the dishes for her. Because I love her. Whether it's I'm going to the store and I see her favorite flower and I buy that flower for her, not because it's a special occasion, but because I'm thinking of her. Whether it's as you're filling up on gas and you run into the gasoline say run into the convenience store and buy that chocolate bar for her because in that moment you were thinking about her. It's in those little gestures that actually count. It's in those little gestures that actually make the difference to cultivate a relationship. And this is echoed even in our relationship with God. It is echoed in the relationship that we have to cultivate our relationship with God. And it's not in only the big things. It's not just salvation and baptism. But it's in the little moments that we spend with God. And saying, God, thank you for giving me just a piece, a moment." These days for me, five minutes, five minutes alone is a blessing for me. I don't even get five minutes to sit on the toilet without my son knocking on the door or sitting beside me in the washroom, okay? That's, that's, that's the stage that we're in right now. So five minutes alone is a blessing, and sometimes when I look at that five minutes, I'm like, thank you, God, for this five minutes, but it's those things, it's the little things that count. And it's building that relationship, whether you're building it with your spouse or building it with God, it's in those little moments that you develop a deep, intimate relationship with your partner. And you build a deep, intimate relationship with God. And so I just want to leave you with... with this because of time I'm gonna end it off there one of the things I want to encourage you guys to do if you're married to do five things this week I'm not even asking you to do one a day just five things little gestures that show that you love your spouse it could be anything just five gestures That he could do that. If you're single, I want you to take, actually, whether you're single and married, take a moment, five moments, where you just see God's blessing being poured into your life and thank him for it. I want you guys to cultivate an intimate relationship with your spouse and an intimate relationship with with your Lord and Savior. But these are the, the things that we need to do, it's not just in the grand gestures. The grand gestures are great. They're, they're landmarks for us to, to really hit and remember. They're, they're moments for us to be like, oh, yes. For Andrea and Maria, 35 years ago. Next, next month, 35 years anniversary. Congratulations. That's huge. That's almost my lifetime. It's a long time. Um, yes, celebrate the big moments. But know that it's really in the little things I make your love count. So can we do that, church? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for just your word in the Bible and what you have to say. Lord, that you have given us direct wisdom and very, very practical things for us to do in how to love each other and how to cultivate relationships with each other. So, Father God, as we go on to this week, Lord, may you show us moments. Moments to love each other. Moments to love you. Moments to build and invest into our love with each other. So, Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give all praise and worship to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys next week.